Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Here on Free Talk Live, we, we've been fairly consistent over the last several years, I, I like to think. And among those things we've been consistent about, in addition to warning people about how inflation was going to create all of the issues that we're seeing now, as far as I'm aware, every single co-host here on the show mocked the way that NFTs were handled over the last two years. NFT stands for non-fungible token. Yes, and there, there is certainly some value in the idea of having an immutable record of ownership, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that's what the NFT was supposed to be. If you had a tract of land or whatever, you would have this certificate on the blockchain proving that it was your piece of land and no one could take that from you. Technically, all of the Bitcoins are non-fungible tokens, but that's getting a little, I think, on you know, maybe out into the weeds. They're all identifiable. You can follow that's them true. Uh, from owner to owner over over time. But so the these, NF- these are different. Uh, these are a little bit different because... How's a Bitcoin a token? You can call it whatever you want. You can call it a coin. You can call it a token. It's a digital representation of... It's information, basically, that... Uh, that you know exists on a ledger, and that ledger is called the blockchain. What makes the uh, the current NFT craze different is they've taken these non fungible tokens, which are normally just boring technology, right? Just normally boring. Uh, I mean, it was boring items. still. I don't know that it's possible to own a digital copy of anything. You know. Well, they claim that you're owning the own the one true thing. You can <laughs> you can copy the thing endlessly, and that's the benefit of digital technology. Is you know, for those of us that grew up in the '80s and the '90s, uh, we had cassettes, you know, VHS and audio cassette tapes, and when you recorded a song off the radio. You, you lost you know, quality. There was a little bit of a quality loss. I mean, and then if you recorded a song off of that recording, like if you copied that tape onto another tape, you lost quality again. Mm-hmm. So the more times you copied the thing, you would you would lose quality generation after generation until finally yes. it would just be this inaudible mess. That Digital technology doesn't have that problem, although there is compression and you do lose quality from compression, but there's ways to copy things without compressing them right and that's a separate issue yeah and you can make a one-to-one perfect copy with digital technology and so therefore anyone who wants to copy an nft of artwork at least can easily do that of course that's been the main objection to art-based nfts is well why can't i just hit right click uh save as and then have a copy of that but can but the amazing thing is they they part they pointed out that this this unique ownership thing about the nft it it was designed to be a counter to the reality that digital artwork can easily be copied and pasted i am trying to uh literally get my story into the public forum uh people can google me uh i'm a book author and I signed a contract with uh, Jeff Bezos' Amazon and also with Barnes & Noble about 49 months ago. Uh, I published a book, and I wrote the book that Silicon Valley never wanted to get out there. And I actually received an uh, email from Bill Gates himself. What is uh, the name of this the book? The name of the book is, it's, it's a long title. It's got 20 words in it because I had a lot to say. All right. Okay. But the title, the title of the book is called Literary Documentation, Book One, 
stuck on the outside. My personal quest to become an integral part of the American dream by Herbert Eric Stevens with a PH. I'm telling you, Google me. The book is now being taught at colleges and universities all over the world. It was a print-on-demand book, which would mean that you would purchase a copy, then they would order it from the printer, the ink would have to dry, they package it, you'd get it in seven days, right? That book is in every warehouse that Amazon has on the face of the earth. Uh, with Prime, they have guaranteed getting it in people's doors as early as six hours from the time they order it. You say you've had zero sales in two years. What happens when you contact the middleman and inquire with them? What do they tell you? The middleman doesn't have to tell me anything. You guys won't let me finish, okay? The middleman only, because the middleman only is responsible for the upload. That's it. That's what they do. Anybody can go to Barcode Graphics and do a contract, and they will do the upload and all the paperwork and everything gets signed. That's not it. They literally, let me put it to you like this. If you will let me just explain why you're seeing 5,854,712 and all of that nonsense, okay? Now, when I finished writing the book, I went to LinkedIn when I had it in manuscript format. And I only knew one lady on there, and her husband used to coach basketball with my son when, we, when they were small kids. She used to babysit my son. He used to be one of the presidents of a major pharmaceutical company in the country, okay? I asked her if I could contact some of her friends on LinkedIn. She said, sure. I contacted from her 168 members of the media, and I said, hey, I'm a new book author. I want to get some pre-release exposure. Is it okay with you if I send you chapter three in my book? All 163 people, I'm sorry, all 168 people said, sure, no problem. In where are you six going with days, this, man? I, hang on. In six days, I got no, I'm, I'm kind of hanging on. Where are you going with this? I mean, it sounds Where to me I'm like you're an author who wrote a book that isn't selling, and you're upset about that, so you're looking to blame Amazon. No. They say don't judge a book by its cover. But, I mean, you kind of have to when this is obviously something that someone threw together in 10 minutes using <laughs> Microsoft Word. <laughs> the cover and is... He the- hired a company to do this for him, remember? Yeah, I don't think that they designed the cover for him. I think he just gave him what he came up with. I mean, that's not even a... I, I, it pains me as someone who's read literature my entire life to refer to that as a cover. Yeah, it's just and for a those piece who want to Google it to look for themselves, again, that, that easy to remember title is Literary Documentation Book One Stuck on the Outside, My Personal Quest to Become an Integral Part of the American Dream. By Herbert <laughs> Eric Stevens with a P. Of course, it is $69 for the paperback version. Yeah. Or $45 for the Kindle version. Like when you pay six, if you're going to pay $69. I have paid $75 for hardcover books before mm-hmm. that were signed by well known, established right. New York Times bestseller authors. Yeah, that's, what I was, that's what I was going to say. If you're going to pay $70, you're getting a book that is out of print, right? Or it's something that's signed, unique, by, the author. signed by the author. Or it's you know hard to find, hardly anyone has a copy of it, and you got to pay top dollar to get your hands on it. Your typical paperback price shouldn't be much more than 19 or 25 bucks. He didn't tell us he was the creator of GPS. We had to go and you know read the a little bit about the book to, to find that out. It just seems like strange priorities. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree entirely. GPS would probably have made him a lot more money if he could prove the case. But from what I can tell, the book isn't even about 
his, him having GPS technology stolen from him, from mm. what I can tell. And of course, God knows it's 400 pages. It is 400 pages, and it's it's not very well written. Right, and you're getting a free preview apparently of the yes. first several pages on Amazon. So anybody that actually was interested after reading this this 20 word title could then pull up the first several pages of the book, and they would immediately be uh, turned away because you said, I've not read it myself, but you said, Aria, the writing is terrible. Yeah, I mean, look at this giant block of text here. There, there, there are oh, no line yeah. breaks. There is, it's, it, that's, wow. That's the book. I mean, if, kudos to any author. This who is why can, people hire editors, by the way. So yeah, can, but kudos to anyone who can fill 400 pages of text like this in the first place. I mean, that's a lot of writing, but then it goes on to... I, mean, I, I don't know what the I'm looking at The shooter from the other here. week just put out a 180-page manifesto, so, I mean, it's not hard for a crazy person A lot of that was to... memes, though. Okay. <laughs> I recently, a couple of weeks ago, put an autoresponder for people who do, uh, you know, public relations for books and that sort of thing on my email because I got listed somehow of all of us. I got listed in the who's who of radio mm. and they try to contact me. I literally get 200 emails a day oh my God. and the majority of them are people who want to do interviews. And Ian uh, scolded me, wagged as a little virtual <laughs> finger at me. Why do you so mean to people in your email? Because it's all <laughs> spam bots. That's why. Ian. Well, and just for so context, uh, Mark had to get a new email so he put in his old email a autoresponder thing that says if you need to contact me you're gonna have to figure it out yourself because i'm not monitoring this and i don't want all the spam so why good luck create the email address why did i create a new one why, why even create an email address if it's just going to be an autoresponder that says that to no me? that was it's- the old one sorry so the old one the people old one. had had, yeah. It's 15 years worth of spam piled up on that one, mostly from people who write books, probably from this guy who got a hold of you, who was uh, the, the inventor of GPS and now wants his book royalties for it or whatever. <laughs> so you're welcome. Seeing all this violence, all these acts of violence going on in the world really makes me wish that I couldn't protect myself. Yeah, that that is the weird thing coming out of this. And I mean, that comes out of every mass shooting, you mm-hmm. know, is the gun control argument. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't get it. The best thing I've ever seen about this is that saying, you know, you don't need a gun because you can just call the police or whatever. That That is the whitest thing a person can ever say. It's, it's the, the self-defense. Yes, the whitest. It is the self-defense equivalent of saying, let the butler do it. Uh, well, it, the funny thing is, no it, one who's ever lived in any amount of actual danger has ever uttered such a stupid yeah. expression in their life. Well, <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, it usually comes from people on the left. Yeah. People who wanted control guns, but many of the people on the left were also the people in 2020 in the summertime who were saying, oh, you know, the police are corrupt. We can't trust the police. Police bad. All cops are bad. And I tend to believe that the police are corrupt. We have a, a story tonight about a police chief, or not police chief, the, t- the head of the union in Boston who's going to prison for 13 years for raping children. So, yeah, there's plenty of evidence that the cops are bad news. But how they can hold this dis- dis- disparate uh, viewpoint where on one hand they say they think the police are corrupt and they need to be abolished. And then on the other hand say, no, we need the police to respond whenever there's a situation to protect everyone because we should trust the police. They should be the only ones with guns. This police union chief. Another rapist cop. Yeah, well, was he? I assume you had to have been a cop in order to become a leader of the police union, right? Must have been. 
So he was the chief of the police union. They don't just call them president or of the union or union leader or whatever the term would be. He's the chief. And he was a child rapist raping people ages 7 to 16. Yep. Yeah. So actual children. Yes. Yeah. This uh, yeah. is this teenagers. Is the... I don't generally count as children, but he actually was raping children. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and so now he's going to prison for up to thirteen years. Uh, they started... and I think what this means is that the prosecutors are going to ask for thirteen years. No, he's been sentenced. I okay. think what they mean by that is again he could get out on good time. Okay. And that will likely be if again I'm presuming Massachusetts. Sometimes the New England states have similar policies. So if it's if it's like New Hampshire, then he's going to spend two thirds of that time behind bars. Uh, but here's a little bit more because what's important to know about this isn't that this just came out of nowhere. It's that he was accused in the mid 1990s, so 25 years ago, almost 30 years ago, of molesting a child back then. He was charged ultimately in August of 2020 with sexually abusing a seven-year-old female relative who now a teenager had told police the abuse had continued for five years until she turned 12. The victim told police... So long after he had lived his life, I mean, he's retired at this point. He's He's now 67 now. He's done. I mean, his life is effectively over anyway. He's just going to live out his days in retirement. Now they finally go after him. Yep. The victim told police that Rose allegedly touched her inappropriately and asked her to perform sexual acts on him in his West Roxbury home. Several more people then came forward alleging they were abused by Rose. He was ultimately charged with 33 counts of sexual abuse of children. Monday, he pleaded guilty to the multitude of sexual abuse crimes spanning mostly of three decades. He had previously denied the charge but reached a plea deal with prosecutors. Documents released last year from a 1996 internal police department probe showed that top officials concluded that Rose likely sexually abused a child, yet he continued to patrol in Dorchester and interact with children and sex abuse victims. So not only did he continue in his job, but he managed to get himself into a position in the department where he was able to interact specifically with children and other victims of sex abuse. So that he could abuse them, presumably. I bet you he did. I'm sure he did. About two weeks ago, we had a, a bike, bicycle to whatever day. Who's he we? Do you have a bicycle? Uh, no, I, I don't have a bike. Do you okay. know how to ride but, a bike? I know how to ride a bike. You do? Okay. Yeah, so but, do you, do you well, mean the city saying, of Albuquerque had this event? Right, right. I mean, the bicyclist of Albuquerque, The our city had this this day that we have once a year about bicycle to whatever day. So, so Bicycle the, to whatever day. Yeah, bicycle to wherever day. And then the, remember we had a bicycle to work day that started a couple of years ago. No, so I don't remember. We got, well, that that got started in Canada. I don't know what city started it, but I remember that it was start, started a while ago, maybe twenty years. Oh, that's ago. right. You called you called the show about this a, a few weeks ago. Some some ride your ride your bike to work day or whatever, something like that, right? Yeah, but we had we or had to, a, to raise had awareness bicycle. for bicycles. Right, and they had that for many. I mean, maybe like twenty years or so. I've been hearing about that. But we just had a bicycle to wherever day, like about 10 days ago here in Albuquerque. So we started that. Well, when you're a productive person 
And Sarah is not. That's true. Sarah's a welfare recipient. When you're a productive person, you have to be places on time. You have to, you've got a schedule. You've got people who are expecting things of you. You've got co- uh, commitments that you've made. You may you have things to carry with you that you can that. fit on a bike. Yeah, you've got to honor your commitments to people. And you just, you know, it's fun to be on a bike. It's cool to be able to go from point to point on a bike. And I do like to ride my bike when I, when I can here in Keene, because Keene is a particularly walkable and bikeable city in New Hampshire. Uh, but, I rode a uh, bike today for the first time in probably 20-something years. Yeah. I, I don't know when the last time I rode a bike was, but it was a very long time ago, and it was mostly to walk my dog, right? Yeah, for me, it was when I was a kid in Florida. I didn't ride since I moved It was when I was a kid in Mississippi, absolutely. Yeah. But, I mean, you don't forget how to do it. That, that's no, absolutely that's true. true. And, you know, I did it because I wanted my, jo- my dog to jog alongside me to exercise her better than yeah. just walking her, and she loved it. She was great at it. That's awesome. My dog would never do that. He'd run right under the He'd wheel. Run under, yeah. Well, she did, she did that. Ex- well, she ran in front of the wheel exactly once. Hmm. And I tried to break, but she learned very quickly that this isn't this isn't jogging. I can't just stop. Hmm. It, it didn't hurt her, but she she learned the lesson. Hey, I don't need to run in front of this. And for, after that, she was a little bit behind me the entire way. Hmm. Very, very good at it. Good. But that's what I would expect of a golden retriever. But, you know, th- these are all you th- bikes do have their uses. Bonnie, you have a story about the New Hampshire State Police and how they're using just ordinary traffic stops as an excuse for searching people and harassing them further. Which this is news. It's news because they're. It's surprising for New Hampshire. It is, I guess, but it's also news because they're pulling people over for like going the speed limit. Um, what do you call it when they make like a committee of cops that do some job? It's not committee. A task force? Yeah, they they created a task force focused on um, ending the drug trade in New Hampshire. And <laughs> that task force what? is what's... Um, yeah, they have the drug task force. I, I, it has a name. It'll, it'll come up in and here. They want to end the drug trade in New Hampshire. Yes, by well, pulling people tra- over for whatever reason they feel like. They've wanted to end the drug trade for decades. And I they think will most continue of this- to fail. I would be. I'm under the impression that most of the drug stuff happening here in New Hampshire is stuff that is cooked on site. Hmm. I uh, I don't know if that's true. There's a lot of it that comes up from New York City. Okay. And uh, and this article gets into it, like the roads around Nashua, so maybe like Boston. Well, this is from nhpr.org. Why did I get stopped? How NH state troopers use minor traffic violations to search for drugs. Michael Vazquez didn't know why a New Hampshire state trooper was pulling him over one afternoon in August 2018. I know why. Yeah. <laughs> His He's... last name is Vasquez. Hmm. It says the state and federal con- uh, constitutions bar police officers from stopping and investigating civilians on nothing more than a hunch. But on the roads, there's a workaround. Motor vehicle violations are so common that an officer can usually find a legal reason to pull over just about any car. Then probe unrelated suspicions. That and don't don't answer their questions. And of course, they can probably just make it up too, as we've seen so many times. Police will lie uh, for the reason they pulled you over. Happened to me. Oh yeah, your uh, light was out over your license plate, and then you go later and you check, and no, it wasn't out. That exact thing happened to me. Only it was Mm -hmm. like a a brake light. It, it takes practice, but it's important to remind people, do not answer questions. I mean, you have to answer some of their questions, like what your name is. And, you know, you I can think just show them the ID. You don't even have to answer it. OK, but and you, that's not legal advice. That's so you have to identify yourself if you're driving in New Hampshire, right? But not I think, I think if you're driving anywhere, if you're you driving have to. anywhere, you have to have 
ID on you. If you do not have the ID, you will have to identify yourself to the officer to prove that you, you know, so he can look you up in the system to prove you have an ID. Just and then they're going to ticket you for driving without your license. Yeah, but you can usually get that one dropped if you actually do have a license. and Because okay. it's not illegal to not have the license, as I understand it. At okay. least here in New Hampshire, it's not. Why does a cop pull you over for your body language? Is it because you, you look guilty? Because well, everyone looks guilty when a cop U-turns to get behind them. Exactly. Well, this here says, in January 2018, Trooper Timothy Berkey noticed a car passing through the I-95 tolls that had apparently been borrowed from someone in Jamaica, Queens, and the driver was, quote, very rigid and did not look at the cruiser as he passed my location. He just didn't look at the cruiser as he passed his location. How dare he focus on driving? At How least, dare he not acknowledge my existence? Right. And what a drama queen. Prima it Donna, it. man. It gets into it here, but somebody says, and I thought this immediately too, what if he did look at the cruiser? Well, Would that's he have also then evidence said, of guilt. Yeah, that could have also been evidence of guilt. He looked guilty at me. Ridiculous. Excellent point. So these are some of the worst pretexts I've ever heard. I mean, cops do this everywhere, but I've never heard of a reason of that silly. That was why he started following him. Then sev- several miles later, so he followed him for several mm. miles, miles, hoping for a traffic infraction. Well, it sounds like the dude was paying attention to his driving, so it would have taken some time. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know, several miles on I-95, what, what is that, probably minutes. two minutes? Yeah, two, well, it yeah. says that's when he pulled him over um, for speeding in a 55-mile-per-hour zone. Probably, like, turned to 55 miles an hour, and the guy was still going 65 or, you know, something stupid like mm-hmm. that. Vasquez said he was driving to Manchester to visit his brother. Ortega asked for his brother's name and inquired about their plans. Wow. None of his business. <laughs> none. <laughs> yeah, it, the, the, none of that is... That, that's, that is the police officer doing what they call an investigation. Yep. yep. It says, in a report, Ortega wrote that he asked Vasquez's uh, brother's name because the last name sounded familiar to him. Yes. His, that's not Hispanic, a very, as yeah. Ian said, driving while Hispanic. And also just an extremely common last name. Ortega but, also sounds Hispanic, by the way, the, the cop's name. That's true. For what it's worth. While running Vasquez's license, Ortega took the extra step of Googling his brother, having Good previously Lord. heard of someone by that name being involved in drug activity. Ortega asked Vasquez to step out of the car, and according to Vasquez, pad- oh, patted him asked. down. He just asked him he, to step he out of the car. He probably did. With his hand on his gun. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. But these these guys don't ever ask. And if you're ever confused about what a cop is, quote unquote, asking you to do, you can ask them a question, too. Right. Like, are you asking or ordering me out of the vehicle? Yep. That's the question. And that will make it clear because then they will say, I'm ordering you. And then you can. okay, fine. Now you're going to kill me if I don't do because if you're just asking, then I can say no. Learn your rights because you're not required to answer almost anything that they ask of you. Yeah, believe it or not, you actually still have rights, but you do have to know what they are, and yeah. you do have to be willing to actually assert them in order for your rights to have any chance of being respected. Because if you don't know your, you know, if you don't assert your rights, the police will presume you don't know them, and they will walk all over you. Absolutely, and- I've seen it happen so many times, and it is so sad when so many people could have avoided a criminal charge again we're not talking when i say criminal charge i don't mean for doing something wrong or harming someone i mean catching a quote-unquote criminal charge for a victimless crime which is 99 percent of what cops on the beat do yeah i don't know anyone who 
ever was pulled over for a traffic offense and then was charged with a victimed crime. Nope. I can't think of a single example of that happening. Not unless they were a wanted murderer or something like that. Or a hit and run person. It's sad what policing actually is. And we talked about one of these stories from the, um, the, the, the police chief, the police union. Yes. The rapist. That's a much easier way to characterize him. One of his victims said something to the effect of, you know, you were supposed to protect us mm-hmm. or something like that. Or so much for the police being there to protect, right. to protect us. The police, again, it's worth saying, have absolutely no obligation to protect anyone. Nope. They're the lowest level of enforcers for the state. They're tax collectors. They're revenue collectors. They're the guys out there who are saying, oh, your registration's out of date. Well, you didn't give the mafia Don his dues. Well, now you have to not just pay those dues that you were supposed to pay, but you have to pay these additional fees on top of it, just like the mafia. That's exactly what they do. Oh, well, you didn't pay your loan, your loan on time, so now you have to pay that and an extra three times the amount. That's what it is. Your registration's one hundred fifty dollars, mm-hmm. but now you're driving without a registration ticket. Well, in that's four hundred dollars. In case it wasn't clear already, they're obviously not serving you. And they're not protecting you. Yeah, the, the, just because the side of their cruisers say serve and protect, it, they don't say serve and protect people or the people or... No, it begs the question of what it is that they are actually protecting and serving. It is clearly not you, because why would you, if they're your so-called servant, why would you hire a servant to abuse you? You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, Listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.